Hey guys, sorry for the interruption. I'm Dave, creator, host, narrator, writer, producer, and, well, I guess you could just say the mind behind AIC Stories. That's right. Like you guys probably know, AIC Stories is a very small, independent, one-man operation. And as you probably know, creating a podcast, especially one with multiple series like AIC Stories, takes a lot of work, a lot of time, effort, and, let's be honest, a lot of money. That's why I wanted to take just a second to let you know that if you love AIC Stories and want to help support the show, you can do that now in a couple different ways, including at buymeacoffee.com slash AIC Stories. Buy Me A Coffee is a way for you as a listener to help keep the lights on and keep the stories flowing. Every little bit helps, and while I was very hesitant to even think about asking anyone for money because, well, who likes to do that? I had more than a few people ask how they could help support AIC Stories, and I figured, why not? People were asking, so let's give you guys the option. And truly, the support means the world to me, so I do sincerely thank you for that. Of course, I know not everyone is in a position to financially support the show through Buy Me A Coffee, but that doesn't mean you still can't help me out immensely. If you can take a second to leave a rating and review, or even just share the show on social media or tell your friends about all the great storytelling content happening right here at AIC Stories, you'll be helping me out just as much as any financial support through Buy Me A Coffee would. And I'm eternally grateful for any and all help that you guys can give me. Like I said, this is a small independent podcast and it takes a lot of work to keep this thing going and any of this help that you can do really just means the world to me and helps me keep delivering better and better content to you guys each and every week. So jump over to buymeacoffee.com slash AIC stories or just visit AICstories.com and you'll find all the links right there if you want to help financially support AIC stories. Or, of course, you can find me on social media everywhere at AIC Stories. And you can leave a rating, review in the podcast player of your choice. So share the show, tell your friends, rate and review if you can. And if you're able to and interested, buymeacoffee.com slash AIC Stories is where you can go to financially support the show and, and help keep these stories flowing. I do truly appreciate it. I'm sorry for the interruption here. Now, let's get to our regularly scheduled programming. Mystery Minnesota is an original fiction podcast from Adventures in Creativity Productions. Call it an anthology of strange stories, mysteries of a punishing land, and the people that call it home. And these stories impacted one man's life in a way he never anticipated. Believe them or don't. But remember, these stories are told in order, so make sure and start at the beginning. Don't worry, we'll be here whenever you catch up. Welcome to Mystery Minnesota. I guess we all just hit a point where nothing actually surprises us anymore. We've seen too much, heard too many far-fetched tales, experienced far too much in the world of the weird and strange. Before we can get to that point, however, we have to see some crazy things, listen to a lot of strange tales, and hopefully survive the outright odd. It's those times when you feel like you are suffocating under an avalanche of impossibilities. 
Our minds can't keep up with all that is happening, and as I've said before, our minds are a wonderful and terrifyingly efficient tool. Those strange experiences and far-fetched tales are glossed over or outright buried to keep us safe. To ensure that we, as logical, living, thinking human beings, don't crack under the mental and sometimes physical stress of trying to understand. Not everybody is that lucky, though. Some think faster than others, they process events quickly enough that when they try to share what they've been through or what they've seen, well, sadly they get labeled as crazy and locked away for their own safety. But they aren't really safe, are they? Because they're locked away with that weirdness, with the knowledge and understanding of things that most of us simply cannot comprehend forced to do battle with their own mind as they try to cling to the truth of what they went through while their mind tries to smooth it all over so they can be free once again. Sometimes that battle rages for years, and the longer it goes, the higher the odds that we lose that battle. You see, true to his word, my brother showed up the next afternoon ready for the next leg of this adventure. I suppose it was easy for him to be excited by it all. He wasn't mired in the stink of peppermint with a body still racked with pain as the scar tissue continued to build, pulling and stretching its way back to some semblance of being back to normal. Well, I couldn't hold that against him though. I was just as curious as he was about what we might find and learn when we talked to Walter. Nearly losing my life the death of Old Sven and Roger's vanishing act, well, it replaced my excitement with a healthy dose of wariness and more than a little concern. Well, maybe concern or maybe just fear. Either way, visit Walter we did. I, I don't quite know what I was expecting when we met him. I suppose I had this image in my head of a, a man completely disheveled like he's seen in the movies, you know. Someone that hasn't shaved in weeks. Hair wild and, and unkempt. Huge, wild-looking eyes wanting to bulge out of his head. Maybe someone gaunt and looking as if life itself had been fleeing for fear of being consumed by the madman everyone said he was. Smelling of piss and urine and not bathing for weeks on end, I don't know. Maybe I pictured some less violent version of the Joker that Batman would battle eternally. But that wasn't Walter, not even in the least. He sat there staring out at the snow as the late afternoon sun pushed its setting rays through the large window opposite his bed. The bare elm and ash trees outside cast dancing shadows on a round face that still carried the soft glow of youth. 
He wasn't gaunt or deranged looking in the least, and in fact, he looked like most men of the Iron Range. Just, a, just an everyday dude, like he was carrying a little bit of extra winter weight to withstand the cold, but what I'll never forget were his eyes. I don't, I don't think even Santa himself had eyes that shone and sparkled with warmth and wonder like Walter's did. Where Roger was icy cold and stoic in his eyes, chilling you to the bone, seeing through you, Walter's just shone. They sparkled, they shimmered, they jumped. There was a... a happiness buried beneath the sadness, if that makes any sense. An eternal hope, I guess, is the only way I can put it. Like I said, I, I don't remember what I had fully expected that day, but I know Walter certainly wasn't it. I was speechless. Thankfully, my, my brother was there to keep things from being awkward. They talked for a bit as I sat and listened, catching up on what was new at work, who was doing what, and other general Minnesota chit-chat. Yeah, the, <laughs> the old winter weather did get discussed. Finally, my brother reached over and put his hand on Walter's arm, looked him in the eye, and simply told him, We need to hear about what you've seen. It may be connected to whatever put my brother in the hospital. Those warm eyes looked at me like he could see the ragged scar tissue that now grew over most of my body and with a deep breath those eyes turned sad and Walter said okay. My brother pulled out a, a small tape recorder he had brought with him so we could listen to it later and, and kind of break it apart but he nodded, asked Walter if it was alright, if he minded. Walter nodded back, kind of, a, I guess, an unspoken okay given between the two of them. And my brother hit record so we could listen back later, like I said, and make sure we didn't miss anything. Sing on. Alright. I used to spend a lot of time in the woods. Guess I always preferred being alone out there rather than dealing with people. Believe it or not, that's actually the worst part about being stuck up here as long as I have. And sure, it sucks that people don't believe me. People think I'm crazy, but I know I'm not. The worst part is sitting here completely cut off from being in nature. I can look at it taunting me through the window like... I... I don't know if they'll ever let me out of here so I can get back out there and get back... home. A few years back, I was out hiking up near Ten Mile Pit. I love to just let myself get lost in and around that big swamp off the backside of Pack Shoe Falls Lake. The way those big old pines and rolling hills stood so epically over that big old swamp <laughs> let me feel like I had truly escaped civilization. That area, well, you know it, I'm sure. It's remote. There are no roads or trails, which means no people, and people these days are lazy. If they can't hike on a well-groomed trail or drive their wheelers and side-by-sides right where they want to go, well, they just don't go there. That's fine by me. Like I said, getting away from people was why I would hike back to places like that. In that area, there's no one that ventures back there. It's pure, untouched wilderness. The real big woods, undisturbed by the masses of city-living hipsters that profess their love and desire to save nature while never actually experiencing true nature. Bunch of morons, that group. No, you won't find any of them up there. There's nothing there but trees and wildlife and deer trails crisscrossing the whole thing like a giant maze. 
So you can imagine my surprise when I came up over the hill and looked down into the valley that ran into that big swamp. I saw cars parked all over. Not just one car, which would have been puzzling enough to see as how there ain't no roads in or out of that place. Nope, not just one car, but a whole parking lot full. It was like someone had taken their entire fleet of cars off the Wild North Ford lot and dumped it at the edge of that swamp. How they got there, that's, that's a mystery. There's no sign of anything being driven or dragged into those woods. It was like they'd always just been there. I sat down right there on a rock up on top of that hill and it was like my legs had just given out. I was scared and I was confused. The longer I sat there and looked, I noticed things were a bit off about the cars themselves. They were all different. And I don't just mean different makes and models, I mean different years. Like Some were real old. The kind of guy could have picked up for 800 bucks brand new when they first hit the showroom. I'm not really a car guy, but some of these look to be like from the early 50s, while others look to be from the late 80s or early 90s. Almost like someone had been taking a few cars from each year and storing them out there in the woods. Must have been close to 150 of them out there. But unless they were hauled in overnight by helicopter, there was no explanation as to how they got there. There was even an old looking sign of some sort right up next to the swamp behind all the cars. It was all grown over with brush and I couldn't tell what it said, but I know they weren't there before. And the way the hair was standing up on my neck, I knew something was really wrong about all of it. I couldn't make myself go down and check them out. If a guy's being honest, it was only fear that let me stand up off that rock after about 20 minutes of trying to get my brain to process what I was seeing. The longer I sat, the more scared I got. Finally, I got up and hiked the hell out of those woods and back to my car a few miles away. I knew those cars were never there before. I'd spent years hiking that vast wilderness. I'd been through this spot many times and there were never any cars. Any signs of other people even, ever before. Just the weekend before, I'd been hiking up that same valley and I found a wolf-killed deer right where all those cars had suddenly shown up. And there were no cars there before. There was this feeling creeping up from the valley floor like, like voices with no bodies floating through the air. Random mirages that looked like people moving around at the edge of the woods by that old sign. But when you tried to turn and spot the movement, it was gone. It creeped me the hell out. It shook me enough that on the way out I stopped into the Selfridges. You know the Selfridges? Arnie and Maggie Selfridge, they've lived up on the, the west edge of Pack Shoe Falls Lake since I can remember. Arnie knows those woods well also, so I had to ask him about it. Funny thing that I, I talked with Arnie and Maggie for a few hours that afternoon. I told Arnie what I had just seen out there and explained it in vivid detail, and he agreed he'd never seen anything like that out there in his whole life. I didn't realize it at the time, but he and Maggie were looking at me like I was a little puppy that was sick and dying but didn't know it yet. Funny, especially with, with, given what they've claimed to. Yeah, that's their story, not mine, so you'll have to ask them about that. Anywho, um, it was getting dark, so we decided to wait until the following morning, but I met Arnie at his place as the sun was just cracking over the horizon, and we headed up to that same valley. We walked those large pines and found ourselves standing next to the rock I sat down on the previous day. I know it was the same rock because I was so shaken by the whole thing that I had dropped my backpack right there where I sat down and I forgot about it in my haste to get away from that cursed place. But wouldn't you know it, we stood on that hillside. Arnie saw my pack sitting there from the day before all wet and covered in dew and frost. He knew that's where I had been 
But when we looked on that hill, with the epic pines meeting that thick, dark swamp, there was nothing. No cars. No old sign hidden from view. No disembodied voices or shimmering mirages at the edge of my vision. Just trees, swamp, and what was left of that wolf-killed deer I had found the weekend before. I was too stunned to say anything other than repeating to Arnie that they were all right there, hundreds of them. I knew then that there was something very wrong. Something had happened there, deep in those woods. There was more behind this than any of us could imagine. Arnie and I walked all over that valley. I needed to find something, anything, to prove to him that what I had seen was really there. That I wasn't just imagining it. Arnie, well... I'm sure it did sound crazy to him. I'm sure that I did sound crazy to him. While I was stumbling around the bottom of that valley searching for any sign of proof, he started looking through my backpack I had left there the previous day and pulling things out. Food and water and spare clothes, matches, my knife, all the usual gear I took with me whenever I went hiking. I asked him what he was doing and he started packing things back into the bag and he admitted he was checking to be sure there was no drugs involved with my hike yesterday. I was furious at that notion, that, and I let him know it. We had been out there for hours at that point, and there was just simply nothing there. I said a few choice words to Arnie, and the words I regretted immediately, especially after the countless days I've spent locked up here. And I stormed out of the woods and back to the car. I dropped Arnie off at his place and headed home, and Arnie, well, he's the one that ultimately put me in here. They say it's for my own safety but it's because they can't believe the absurdity of what I'd seen. They wouldn't listen to me. He called my wife before I got home. She was waiting for me, tears in her eyes. She was worried, I could tell, but I didn't have a clue as to why. Well, until she told me Arnie had called and told her he thought I should see a doctor and maybe that was having a breakdown of some sort. So I told her my story, told her what I'd seen, what had happened. And when I finished trying to explain it to her, she just looked at me sadly and she walked over to answer the door and that's when they brought me to the hospital to get a little checkup to be on the safe side hundreds of tests later countless chats with psychologists and brain doctors and none of them have ever found anything wrong with me except that I still insist I saw what I saw I've been here ever since I know my wife has moved on and she hasn't visited in quite some time but what can I do I know what I saw. I know there were hundreds of cars that showed up out of nowhere and disappeared just as quickly, all without a hint or trace as to how they got there and where they went. I'm not crazy. It's my honesty that has me locked up in here. My truth that'll keep me here until I die. Well, my brother and I sat there in silence. It, it really did sound impossible, but... After what I'd been through, nothing felt truly impossible. But cars appearing and disappearing out of thin air, voices with no people around, that was a new one for me and for my brother as well, it seemed. The thing is, the, the Mirage people, the comment about that, that's, that's something that caught my attention though. It sounded an awful lot like whatever sunk its claws into me. Whatever Roger did battle with in his barn, whatever had laid waste to little Jimmy all those years ago. Hearing that, that familiar icy shiver 
was clawing its way up my spine and wrapping itself around my insides the more I thought about it. It was my brother that finally broke the silence. He asked Walter why he wouldn't just tell them what they wanted to hear so he could get out of this place. He'd be free to continue his search on his own at that point. Walter just turned and stared out the window once again. I've thought about that many times, but I'm a man of honor. I believe in the truth, especially when that truth may be something bigger than all of us. Something that could be a danger to others. Then, he turned to me, looked me right in the eye, and split my world into a million pieces. I don't know what exactly happened to put you here in the hospital, stuck in that chair. I'm really sorry you had to go through whatever it was, but until I saw you today, I forgot about something else in that valley. I never saw anything there, but that day I sat on the hill, the hair on my neck standing on edge as I looked down at all those cars and heard those voices far off. I saw those shadows of something moving that never showed its face. The day the fear of something really, really wrong finally spurred my feet to move. As I stood up, I smelled that same smell that's coming off of you. Minty. Too sweet. Not as strong as I can smell it on you. It was faint and carried on a breeze mixed with pine and earthy swamp, but it was there. And if whatever put you here in the hospital left that scent on you, then maybe I'm safer sticking with my truth and staying inside these four walls. Mystery Minnesota is an Adventures in Creativity production written, produced, and performed by David Swiduck. You can find out more about the show and all of the others at AICpod.com. If you're enjoying what you hear, be sure to reach out to us on social media by following at AIC Stories on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or, of course, you can email us via the contact form on the site. If you want to support the show and help more people discover and uncover the mysteries we're exploring, you can leave us a review or, most importantly, share Mystery Minnesota with your friends. Look, no matter where you hang out, be it Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or Instagram, word of mouth is still the best thing you can do to help support life here in Mystery Minnesota. So don't be shy. Let people know what's up. Of course, we'd love it if you checked out all of the other storytelling fun happening with Adventures in Creativity Productions as well. So, while you're at AICpod.com, go ahead and explore all of the other content right there. You can get all of the great projects, like Faded Words and Adventures in Creativity, in one convenient place by subscribing to AIC Stories in the podcast app of your choice really is the best way to keep up with everything we have coming up for you on Adventures in Creativity Productions. But if you only want to follow the story of Mystery Minnesota, you can find us under Mystery Minnesota in your podcatcher or at anchor.fm slash mysteryminnesota. So get yourself all caught up and stick with us because there's more to the story here in Mystery Minnesota. <laughs>